Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to Reporting is Eligible. I'm Paul Newton of Acme Packing Company and the Shepherd oh, Express. And uh, this is a, our combined edition of the show where uh, the, the guys are busy. JR is being the real beat reporter still. Good, you know, good for him. He's actually down there doing work. But uh, to join me from Indianapolis itself, I've got... Hey, it's Evan Tex Western, uh, managing editor, Acme Packing Company, and uh, yeah, I've bumped into Jr. a couple times already today. Um, we're going to go out and play some trivia at uh, one of the breweries I like down here in oh. downtown Indy tonight. So awesome. that should be uh, that should be a good time. Um, but yeah, things are things are getting underway. It's you know midday on Tuesday, so really the only thing that's happened so far is Gutekunst and a couple of the coaches and GMs have talked, but um, some. Some interesting stuff to to lead off the week from Goody before we start getting into prospects starting tomorrow and then workouts on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. He was actually, I think, a more insightful uh, bunch of data than I was expecting out of him. Uh, I usually expect just um, non non informative speak on these things, and he's pretty candid. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. He he's certainly been a lot more candid and open than say you know Ted Thompson was. In, in years gone by um you know we yeah yeah we got uh that's true by, by comparison just about anything is is a lot more candid than that but um yeah no some some very interesting comments um i if we want to get right into it i think right off the top the left tackle position is yeah. you know certainly a big question mark with what are the what's the team going to do with bakhtiari the whole dead money thing and, and his contract and 40 million dollar cap hit and everything that comes along with that and I mean, basically, he said that, yeah, we know we need to make a decision on that uh, b- before the time the league year starts on March thirteenth, and so yeah, a decision's coming. Deadline. Exactly, and and he said something about, um, you know, I don't like to make decisions until I have to, but I know that that's coming, and and it's definitely going to be time to to make the the call on him. And and I wrote it up this morning that, look, the everything points towards the Packers releasing him, right? We've talked about it uh, a number of times um, on the site. Uh, just the fact that you know, he's got a $41 million cap hit, you release him, you you free up 20-plus million of that. And um, that combined with still really not knowing what the condition of his knee is after the additional repairs that he had in the fall. And then um, Goody even talked about Rashid Walker. Um, He was asked if he thinks that that Walker can be a a number one left tackle. And he says, you know, I think he's already proven that he can be. So with with a guy already waiting in the wings, seemingly, you know, that the front office trusts to take over, uh, that certainly, you know, the writing seems like it's on the wall for me. That was Um, was the explicit tea leaves, I feel like. Uh, Yeah. It was a little bit obscured on Bakhtiari, but 
when you actually bring him like, no, we're fine, you know, then I think yep. writing's definitely on the wall for him. And yep. should, there's not really a reason to bring him back. There's not a reason to kick the salary cap can down the road with him at this point. You have you have the future. You don't need that. Go let him play yeah. with Aaron. Agreed. Yeah, I think that's that's the only way that he doesn't end up getting cut is if some team is willing to take on you know that contract and that um, that uncertainty. And frankly, if I were another team, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't give up a draft pick for a guy who's you know played thirteen games in three years. Um, and that's that's about the only um, the only other scenario I could see. I don't see a scenario where he's willing to take a big pay cut. And the Packers are willing to, you know, extend him at this point. So yeah. it just doesn't doesn't seem like it's it's in the cards at this point. I agree. I am happy that Goody said that he would like to draft more quarterbacks. That's always <laughs> happy. Um, yes, that means I can still write about them. So happy about that. And that's a good process. I'm glad that they they care so much about positional importance, even if they don't need one at the moment. At the, oh, at the absolutely. Time. I mean. That's that was the old Ron Wolf approach, right? Always take a quarterback in you know day three of the draft and and have somebody you know churning the the bottom end of that room and, and move it up if it gets closer and you'll find a bunch yep. of good ones in the process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, provide that extra competition in in every room. Yep. Um, and and Goody kind of talked about that a little bit too today. Um, you know, using the the receiver and the tight end rooms as an example of creating competition last year on offense and then he kind of said this year we want to do the same thing on defense with some of those positions that they need to to find some contributors at linebacker safety being a couple of big ones so he's kind of looking at all right we did a good job of creating that competition in those rooms on offense last year it had you know really good results down the stretch and and hopefully they'll be able to do something similar um and i i imagine that with the financial flexibility that they'll have the bigger than expected increase in the cap um, just allows for a little more flexibility there. And so certainly think that they'll, they'll take some swings or at least try to take some swings, you know, at those two positions in particular in free agency, you know, the double dip makes a lot of sense, kind of like the way they did it in 2019 with the Smiths and, and Gary, and then it's safety as well. Yep. I think that's probably right on. Um, I guess the last thing uh, is something that's been big news the last couple of years now. Yeah. It is, uh, it did come on co- cognitive testing, and he was uh, vague about the specific kinds of cognitive testing. I actually got the, I did watch what you sent over. I got the impression it was much more along the lines of like a Myers Briggs disc thing than the S2 cognition <laughs> test that he was talking about. Uh, because, uh, you, you actually heard it. Why don't you? <laughs> yeah, he, he he was asked really kind of you know how does how does the Packers organization view kind of the cognitive testing and and do they take guys off the board uh, based on results and things and and he kind of said well well no and he also made a clear distinction between like the testing that the Packers like to do and the NFL kind of the league wide testing so um, certainly seems like there was a a clear distinction there that he wanted to draw about that. Um, and, and yeah, I think to some to some extent, um, you're right that it seems like it's more personality and learning style types of testing that the Packers try to do with with guys. That if they can't do that, you know, place like the combine, that might be a reason why they would bring a guy in for a visit during the pre-draft process or um, or see if guys can can do things remotely. But um, yeah, he said that that no, they don't necessarily use that to take players off the board. Um, it's more of an information piece or, or just a, another data point that will allow them to, to help bring that player along, develop them once they get inside the building and, you know, really sort of 
learn how to teach to that player's strengths and, and the way that they learn, which I think is a, is a very, you know, it, it seems like a very smart way of, of taking that data, taking that information and, and putting it to good use for the team. Yeah, agreed. That's a good use for that, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. And I like the progressive nature there. That's, that's good thinking. I'm very happy with the front office right now. They, they, <laughs> they just seem to be doing an excellent job, uh, whatever they open their mouths and with all of their decisions. So. Yeah, it uh, it is funny how how much you know getting getting the quarterback and uh, having a really really good draft class um, can can sort of change perceptions a little bit, right? Because coming into last year, I think there was still still felt like there were a lot of question marks among Packers fans and and among the discourse about um, you know about is is Goody the right guy for the job long term? I think uh, I haven't heard any of those questions in the last several months. No, no, you have not. All right. Any any other big breaking news you wanted to mention? You, you broke the news to me before this that it's Cooper DeGene, which is oh, awful. that's 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 obnoxious. Um, yeah, as, as a falls to us, honestly. Yeah, well, and and I'm I'm thinking about this both as someone who took French for several years in middle school and high school, and as someone who was a fan of the Brewers when Mike DeJean was um, was the closer. Exactly. Um, yeah, it, that that pronunciation bothers me but uh no the only the only other really funny moment that i, I caught today was um elliot wolf obviously former uh packers exec and um son of ron wolf who's now gm of the, the patriots uh was asked how the packers keep doing it with quarterbacks and he just said it's luck it's just luck <laughs> obviously he was he was kidding but um that was a pretty good line it was <sighs> does bother me though i gotta say <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh again yeah we'll we'll be we'll be here all this week um i'll probably be in the, the acne packing company podcast feed uh the next couple days do some some rundowns of some of the interesting players i talked to um and and kind of previewing ahead to the the following day's workouts and things so um as we as we go along here uh in the next couple days keep an eye out for that as well indeed you should all right. Anything in particular you're looking especially forward to watching? I'm really kind of intrigued to see some of these linebackers. Um, there's there's a couple of interesting body types, and and you got you know the the more that the NFL um, and college football really goes to that spread approach, you've got these lighter, faster linebackers who you know more of the coverage players. Um, and I'm just kind of curious to see how some of these guys, like the Edron Cooper. Um, the guy from Washington, uh, Ulifosio, and um, some of those kind of guys. Just just seeing how they work out. Um, that's going to be you know, very interesting, given that that's a position of need for the Packers. Um, them and the running backs. Um, it, it's another. It's an interesting running backs class. I know Tyler and Justice are going to get into it pretty soon on the the draft talk series for APC, but um, it's it's a a draft class with a lot of really interesting talent. And I think some guys who are going to test really well, um, but you just don't have those, you know, two or three top end three down backs that, that you oftentimes get. And so, you know, it's entirely possible. We might not see a running back go in the first two rounds of this draft, but I fully believe that there's guys who can be found in the middle rounds who can be difference makers when, when put in the right system and used the right way. So those two, um, and then just, you know, I, I'm always going to focus on the, the perceived positions of need for the Packers. So um, getting to know some of the safety prospects will be interesting as well. And, um, you know, seeing some of these, some of these potential corner to safety 
possible transitions Dejean being one of those um yeah that'll be an interesting thing to follow um and and interesting that uh, they're starting off with the defense first this week so we'll see defensive players working out Thursday Friday um instead of the offensive players going first I'm sure that's just to try to get eyeballs on the workouts on the weekend with the, the sure that is what it yeah is. quarterbacks receivers and running backs all working out on Saturday they're trying to trying to get people on the couch and and tuning in so I'm sure that's uh that's a big part of it but um yeah I think those are those are kind of the big focus areas so I'll certainly be um be looking looking at uh you know those big positions the next couple of days yeah, um, I like this running back class actually quite a bit. I think it's better than it's given credit for. And a lot of, like, um, I, I think you're right. that not a lot of guys who go high. But, like, Jonathan Brooks, I think, would be a first-round-worthy guy if not for injury concerns. So um, I want to snag him later. I think he's good. So we have a problem. Um, all right, well, well Tex is getting technical difficulties sorted. Um I also actually am looking forward to watching the down roster quarterbacks now that I know we might actually take one um, because I actually learned quite a lot from the throwing drills last year, which I was used to laugh off. Um, they, uh, they taught me, they told me a lot about, first of all, Tyson Bajant not being able to throw at an NFL level, which came in handy for us because the Bears took him. And uh, CJ Stroud having a much better arm than I thought, matching Richardson's throw for throw. So I want to see those guys. Um, who are going to fall into the you know fifth and sixth rounds and see if anybody actually has a gun, uh, other other than Milton, who clearly does. Now that the technical glitches have been momentarily corrected, let's um, <laughs> do some questions. We of course have some some questions from our patrons. Um, if, if you want to ask a good question priority, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/WalkiesTailgate. It costs two bucks to get question priority on the podcast, and it's traps. We'll do you know a couple of these here and there. Um, first one is from uh, Mark Petscarby. One draft thing I'm always interested in is Paul's numbers. Uh, is Paul's under the radar quarterback and wide receiver prospects? Even though Green Bay will likely not be in the market for either one, I'd love to know who Paul's guys are this year. So right right, right away, it's my question, um, and I have not quite finished everything yet. Um, but I will tell you that the the top Rops guy uh, who's not on everybody's radar is Javon Baker, and you may have seen his name kicked around Twitter just a hair because a couple of a couple of guys managed to get early access to Rops stuff and beat me to the punch on that. Uh, he's a UCF guy. He's good. I would take him late. He'll be available. Quarterback wise, um, and I lost my spreadsheets because of course I did. Um, Quarterback-wise, I would definitely be interested in Milton just because he is a physical specimen. And if you're going to have a guy sit on the bench anyway, you may as well have that guy. Um, but uh, Jack Plummer is the other one who is probably a little better than conventional ratings suggest. He's way down. I think he's possibly been projected as an undrafted free agent. He's actually been pretty good. So uh, I don't know if his arm's any good. I'm going to watch him if he's throwing. I hope he does. Um, but I think he's a little bit unheralded. So that one too. Yeah, admittedly, I have not watched any of the um, you know down the rankings re- receivers or, or quarterbacks to have much of an opinion. Um, other than I do remember Milton in the bowl game for Tennessee, not this past year, but the year before when uh, when Hendon Hooker was injured, and um, he was fun. He was, he was fun. fun. There's there's some tools to work with there that you could uh, you know. 
give him give him some time to develop, and you you might be able to find a little something there. Yeah, uh, I I feel like he's a little bit undervalued, in all, um, by basis of comparison to Hooker, who was like off the chart yeah. great last year, and Tennessee's offense wasn't that good this year, but they also lost quite a few receivers, and he wasn't that bad, honestly. Like his accuracy numbers aren't terrible; they're just not like what Hendon Hooker put up last year. So um, I would definitely, as long as you're going to be developing a guy, that like he has the best physical tools in this class uh, for anybody in this class. Just a matter of if you can teach him to do a lot of the little things right, and we've, we've shown to be good at that. So I, I would like, I would love it if we got him randomly. That'd be super fun. All right, next up uh, from Jonathan Deal. Uh, sorry, Paul. Who is worth trading up for this year? That's a troll. Particularly <laughs> in any Packers area of need. Um, Man, yeah, it, it, it's so it's so tough for questions like this this early in the process. At least for you know for for us, certainly the the teams have a better idea of where their draft boards are shaken up at, at this point. But um, I mean, talking about positions of need, looking at linebacker, I mean, there seems like and and again, Justice and Tyler did a great job breaking down the linebackers last week. But there's such a big teardrop between Edger and Cooper as the number one linebacker and the rest of the guys that you could. I could understand if they went with a guy like Cooper earlier. Um, I don't think you need to trade up from 25 to get him. Um, yeah, that's the thing. I, I, that's, so I, I don't know that, that there's that guy at, at linebacker, at safety, either of those spots, that you really need to move up from 25 to, to get a guy. If you're moving up from, from 25, you're probably looking at moving up for a corner or maybe an offensive tackle if you know the smoke about Richie Walker is just kind of smoke and they want to improve on, yeah. on that position or, you know, they want to get a right tackle and put like Zach Tom at center or something like that. Those yeah. are the only two where I think there's a real, you know, a possibility at least position wise that, that would make sense to move up from. Yeah. Edgerton Cooper, like Brugler has going 42nd. So yeah. like maybe a second round trade up with the jet, the, the jets pick. I mean, that's, I think the jets pick was the pick from the jets is 41, something like that. So right that in that is, range. So like, I feel like our positions of need are not positions where you really should trade up most of the time. You know, you trade yeah. up to get a quarterback, to get somebody at another premium position, maybe in like a, a super elite edge rusher, uh, maybe a corner, but we need safeties and running backs and inside linebackers. Um, they should really just let this draft come to them, I think more so than any draft that they've had in the recent past. Yeah, and, and especially with five picks in the top 100, they've got ammo to hit a bunch of needs yeah. you know in in those first three rounds and you know and also you, you can you can do a mix of best player and you know probably get guys at those positions that you need in that yeah. you know in that best player range with all those five picks and, and still be uh, be pretty well able to to justify that and and get a lot of you know good players coming in yeah i suppose on the flip side there's just not a lot of roster space for them to use all of their picks. So to yep. some extent, they almost have to trade up at some point. <laughs> um, but I, I, if I had to wager, I bet that's just moving up a little bit in the fourth or the third for guys that they really want using some of those deeper picks more than making like a big splash in the first. That, that's exactly what I was going to say is, is if they've got these, you know, three or four comp picks coming um, that I think still haven't been announced yet. Um, I could see maybe, you know, they try to move up from the fourth and get back into the third with another, you know, a sixth pick in the top 100 or something. Um, if they, if there's somebody sitting there right at the end of day two that they really like. 
Yeah, yeah. Something like that makes sense. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Actually, I'd be surprised yep. if it doesn't. <laughs> All right. Jack Bushman asks, uh, it's the offseason, so I'm dreaming a little bit. Would the Vikings survive a Tom Brady Patriots-like dynasty from the Jordan Love-led Packers? In my dreams, the Packers win five Super Bowls in 10 years, <laughs> and the Vikings pack their bag from the for the West Coast. Uh, you know the Vikings are, uh, we make fun of the Bears for not ever getting a quarterback, and the Vikings have done it like a couple times, at least with like Tarkenton. But they're almost as bad, and they have shown no signs lately of being able to get a quarterback. Like, Kellen Mond is bad, and Jaron Hall is bad. Like, they don't seem to know what they're doing. They're stuck with Kirk because they don't know how to figure this out. So, no, they wouldn't. Yeah, it's, um, they're never drafting high enough to get a top quarterback prospect. And, yeah, I mean, Kirk came – I'm trying to remember. He was – they signed him as a free agent when they originally got him, right, from, from Washington. They did. Um, those guys don't hit the market these days. So, yeah, good luck. Yep. I, I'm, I think the question is how long does that front office stay in place if you know, they kind of keep on the same trajectory. Yeah, they got to figure this out at some point. They, if any front office needed to take a couple of cracks at a developmental – like sitting quarterback it's this one and yep. it just doesn't, it never seems to actually come to fruition for them I mean one of their best backup quarterbacks in the last few years is on our coaching staff now so <laughs> uh, Sean Mannion hopefully or something um, <laughs> alright clearly Joel Osment asks is this a best available or needs based kind of draft and what's <laughs> the most exciting trade up down situation that won't happen Bakker Jones thrown in for some thirds we're uh, not doing that <laughs> yeah um i mean i guess that kind of gets at what we just just talked about a little bit i think this can be both um yeah. given how much how many picks they have in the the first couple of rounds um you know and and i think you know if you want to get crazy sure you can try to you know see if you can find a taker for bach but i think that's going to be a real hard sell for for anybody and no and and i i don't see any scenario at this point in, in which Aaron Jones, you know, doesn't find, they don't find a way to come bring Aaron Jones back uh, on some sort of adjusted deal or pay cut or something this off season. Um, yeah. I, I certainly don't see a way that he's getting traded um, given you know, he's going to have more value to the Packers than any other team. Um, even if, you know, if he were to get cut. So I think the, the pitch there is kind of like they did last year with Jones is, look, we can cut you and you can take your chances on the open market or we can just give you a pay cut. You'll probably still get more cash this year with the pay cut than you would on the as a free agent. So kind of a win, hopefully a win-win for everybody and reduces yeah. cap hit a bit. Yep. Um, I think they're really unpredictable on needs versus best available. And I feel like last year, um, uh, the 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 Quay, the Quay year, I feel like, was a sort of needs-based draft a little bit more than usual. But I feel like they also just will go best available with some regularity. So um, I, th I think they kind of stick to their board early, and if it happens to be needs-based, great. And try to fill in the needs, like, in the second, third round. But I kind of think everybody kind of does that. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and they were fortunate last year, right, that need and... Um best available matched up pretty well on day two yeah. between tight end and receiver um you know hopefully that will be the case again this year you know with with maybe linebacker and safety as well yeah hopefully so especially safety really need safeties sick yeah. of bad safeties um patrick Detmer, <laughs> how long after the combine until we can expect raz numbers to become available for athletes not attending the combine are those found during their pro days and what if they don't test at all or are injured 
like Texas running back Jonathan Brooks? Do they not get assigned a Raz? Ah, fun Raz questions. Mm. Um, kind of answered within, but Kent gets those out pretty quick. He does. <laughs> he cranks. He cranks out um, those players' cards within, oftentimes within an hour or two of the um, of that position group's drills being finished. Yeah. So once those go live, he is he is working hard this week to to get those out. Um, but yeah, in terms of pro days, then. Then yes, the you know if there's no no combine times, he'll he'll get them based on the pro day times. And in the case of an injured player, yeah, there's just you know you're going to have an empty empty block for the testing yep. results, and his card will you know the player's card will just have their their raw measurements, but they won't get a full score. Yeah, and he, he does make cards for even one measurement. Like if you go see Bryce Youngs, for instance, I think he's <laughs> just height and weight, and maybe like one running drill, but that's it. Yeah. So, um, you know, there'll be something. And if you, if you don't follow Math Bomb on Twitter, you should, because he does just, like, tweet those out as they finish. <laughs> yep. So, uh, those, are, those are available very, very quickly. And the yeah, Pro Days come, come later. Uh, Raz season is fun. Um, so, uh, lastly, is there a prospect in this class that you're pounding the table for regardless of how they test? Uh, Man. Yeah. I, I, no. Um, <laughs> no, no is the short answer for me. Yeah, I would love um, if we needed receivers, I think I'd be more vociferous on that. But like, mm-hmm. we don't. So anything like that is just gravy. I guess kind of Edgar and Cooper, um, since everybody else is, I think, quite a bit worse. But not honestly. And if you test bad, that, that would actually change my mind. I think <laughs> at least a little bit. Yeah, I'm thinking like a guy like Jalen Wright, the Tennessee running back, is a lot of fun, and I see some a little bit of Aaron Jones to his game. Yeah. So I mean, that might be one guy that I would be very, you know, very much, you know, excited about in the third round, for example. And even if, you know, Aaron Jones didn't didn't test awesome in terms of his his pure speed, right? He was a four five five guy, I think. Yeah. That was um, the one on him. Yeah, and so I, I, you know. Super Sports right. actually put out a, a very fun guide on which tests correspond best with success at mm-hmm. all of the positions. And uh, 40 yard was like the least on running backs. So, <laughs> uh. Yeah, so I think, um, I guess right, Wright's probably the closest thing to me for now. But again, that's probably, you know, if he's there in the mid-third round, that's when I'm, you know, banging yeah. the table for him. I actually like estimate, however you say that name. But I also that's, say he's, that much, so. he's another fun one, so... Um, yeah, that different, much more of the the Dylan style than the the Aaron Jones yeah. style of runner. But um, oh, yeah, he he he's he's a fun one too for sure. Alrighty. Um, next up, we have uh, Keith Keskinen. As someone who doesn't have t- the time or self hatred to grind college <laughs> tape, good on you, me too. As is available to the general public, but would like to dive deep into prospect prospects statistically. What are the best stats to focus on for quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end? Well, all, all the positions, which translate best or are more indicative of NFL success. Uh, all right. Want me to take offense? <laughs> Go for it. All right. For quarterback, it actually is still completion percentage, but above all else. Um, development in the NFL has gotten much better for toolsy guys. Um, I actually graphed this out. I'll be writing on a lot of this later. I have a lot of charts made. I need to put pen to paper at some point. Um, but one of the interesting things about completion percentage is that you find good NFL starters at the top of the list and on the bottom five of the list, where you find Anthony Richardson, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson. 
uh, in the middle, the only two guys that have become decent NFL quarterbacks out of like 85 over the last five years are Jordan Love and Justin Herbert. And Justin Herbert's just barely into that middle tier. He's kind of right on the cutoff. So it's just Love is like the hugest outlier in the history of the world. Um, so completion percentage is it for quarterback, um, for sure. For wide receiver, um, it, so like I've always, in my metrics, combined uh, catch percentage and yards per completion. Uh, catch percentage has gotten too easy to create through scheme in college to the extent that it almost doesn't matter anymore and it can be deceptive because if you play in a scheme like that, it's going to be artificially inflated. If your quarterback is garbage, it's going to be artificially low. So um, athleticism, things like yak are much better. Um, stats where the, the guy has the ball in his hands already are better than anything he does before the catch. Um, that's If you can get more advanced stats like separation numbers and if you can um, scout that kind of thing, but that's even better. But it really is dynamism after the catch. For tight ends, um, on that thing I just cited earlier that Super Sports put out, it, it's actually speed. It's one of the only positions where yeah. speed actually matters a lot. Uh, so, like, the, the 40 time of a tight end, just in terms of pass catching, is one of the most important things to look out for. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, height, weight, agility doesn't seem to matter at all. So, um, and I can't I, – offensive linemen don't have stats, so nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I can actually I can actually point to one um, uh, generally the short shuttle for offensive linemen. Um, this is one that's been discussed a little bit recently. If you can have a an O lineman running a short shuttle in less than about four and a half seconds, that's usually a really really good indicator that he's going to be a good player. Like there, I think Peter Bukowski put out the list of all the guys who ran four four seven or under in the last ten years at O line, and the only one who wasn't at least a really solid starter was Jason Spriggs. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, but he was he was like the one outlier. Just about everybody else on that list was at the very least a a good multi year starter. So look for look for guys, um, especially an offensive tackle who can change directions quickly. So that short shuttle is a big one. Um, I would oh, okay. say one quarterback really quick pressure. Yeah, to sack. yeah, have to mention pressure to sack matters a ton. So not a fan of uh, Jaden Daniels then. Not, it's a huge <laughs> knock on him. It, it was he was yeah. unplayable uh, last year and improved yep. drastically this year. But um, I think he improved through a uh, system quirk where they basically told him to have take two reads and then run, which is why mm-hmm. he ran for so many yards. And I, <laughs> I'm not sure that's a great sign for the next level. So yeah, I'm yep. lower on him than most, even though he was he was awesome this year. But yep. twelve prospects different. Yeah. Well, and defensively, it's it's really tough. I mean, ball hawking for, for players in the secondary, certainly interceptions past defenses are, are a good place to start. Um, I would say for linebackers, almost tackles are almost inversely, um, just total tackles can be kind of, I think, inversely associated with how good a player is going to be just because a lot of times the guys who rack up a ton of tackles in college football are – you know, don't end up translating all that well to the NFL. Um, just kind of a ton of the these old school, um, you know, classic Mike linebackers who don't really have much of a role in the NFL nowadays. Um, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. is one example. Again, oh, yeah. going to go back to, to Tyler and Justice talking about him. That, Where do they hate you know, that? I don't know. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and the question is about, you know, is he going to have any ability to, to stay on the field athletically in the NFL? Um, yeah, he just cleaned up a ton of tackles, but, um, I, I would, I would not put any stock in that. I wouldn't necessarily, you know, say that, that you, you want to go looking for it and look for guys with lower tackle numbers, but at least, you know, don't necessarily look at that as a, as an indicator of who the better linebackers in the class are going to be. I think that's another one where you just look at your overall athleticism. Um, and, you know, focus on, on that and, and kind of game-changing plays, turnover plays, pass defenses, those sorts of things, too, um, can play in for, for off-ball linebackers as well. Yeah, and edge is just straight um, Raz plus pressures. Pressure, pressure rate, yeah, yep. So that's that. <laughs> there you go. All right. Um, <clears throat> Mark Hackett asks, how, if it does at all, will the revised salary cap affect draft strategy? Uh, that's yeah i don't know that it will affect it it won't directly affect draft strategy i don't think it's going to make a difference in terms of whether or not they're willing to move up or down or how many players they bring in but i think the the added flexibility will give them some more opportunities to do a little bit more in free agency and then we'll see kind of potential knock-on effects that maybe they don't need to, to to reach uh, for for a position of need quite as badly again not that the Packers are a team that tends to do that anyway but um, you know maybe that's a you Good know point. if you can bring in a, a couple of vets in free agency yeah if you um, get like just one average safety in free agency then maybe right. it's you having to reach from some guy that you shouldn't be drafting in the draft exactly all right Donald Anderson uh, have you gone back and compared your post draft thoughts on the players the Packers drafted and compared uh, them against their on-field play, and if so, has that experience changed your thought process this year? I, I do that every year, and uh, I actually made a, a fairly significant changes to weighting on some of my metrics because of it, um, and not just because of Jaden Reed, who um, early reports it really <laughs> turns out I'm wrong about that, but like you can't fix that. He, he actually wasn't that good in his last year at Michigan State. Just wasn't. He had decent, but not huge volume, and he didn't do that much. He was much better the year before. So. Um, but I did change things to reflect receiver athleticism a lot more than I ha- had in the past. Um, I'm actually changing how I use um, Raz actually for all the positions this year because I uh, I have a couple of minor quibbles with how Raz is calculated, and I'm going to change them for my own benefit. So yeah, when I get something wrong, I go back and definitely look at what I missed on that player when you know when I evaluated them every single time. And to the extent it's possible, I try to make updates to things. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just good process, right? Um, is is always evaluating your own processes and and trying to find find those gaps and things. Admittedly, you know, when I come to the combine, I'm not as focused on um, the testing and things because what I get to really see a lot of is just the players and, and interacting with them and doing a lot of you know talking to them and in the the media interviews and things. And, and I'm admittedly like, I'm not a tape guy like, like justice and Tyler are. So, um, I guess one of the big things that, that I noticed from last year to this year, um, is that it seemed like last year, at least the Packers draft class was a lot of guys who had pretty good seasons in 2021, but didn't really have a great season in 22 heading into the draft. Wicks was that way. Um, Jaden Reed was kind of that way. You know, there are a couple of those guys. Musgrave was hurt for, you know, most of his last college season. So um, 
that that's an interesting thing, and I'll be curious to follow and and look through this year's draft prospects to see, you know, are there some examples of that um, where you know they they maybe they're going to be inclined to um, to take a guy who falls because his last year of production wasn't as good, but those traits are there, and and there's something that they think they can bring out of him. Um, so I, that that's just one of the things that for me observing this last year um, through last year's class um, is, is going to be interesting. I'm going to take a closer look at. Yeah. Keep an eye on Thrash for if, if we go down for a receiver later in the draft. He has a very similar profile to what Wicks did. So um, I haven't watched him play very much yet, but uh, he definitely stands out in that regard. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see here. And uh, last question of the day from Price Frozen. Uh, who is a guy at the Combines that made Tech say, holy blanking blank, by how, how they performed <laughs> in an area or all areas? Which we can answer for this one next week. But Yeah, I think that'll have to be a, uh, a, a touch on that one uh, next week once we actually have all the results and things. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little bummed that Dejean is not testing here. Um, foot, foot thing, I think. Uh, foot yeah, or ankle, I think, um, that's keeping him out from testing because I think he could have been potentially one of those guys. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure where where we're going to get that. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a, a couple of guys. Um, we're not going to see. I think Malik Neighbors, the LSU receiver, isn't planning on working out at all here. I know Marvin Harrison isn't either. Yeah, um, so some of those top of the top of the 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 draft guys at receiver won't be testing and another top three quarterbacks won't be throwing or testing so certainly that that level won't be there but um I, i'm certain there's going to be three or four guys who we didn't see coming who absolutely lighted up here um and that's going to be one of those where you know we'll have to go back and and take a look at uh at those guys but yeah it's still a couple days too early to to give you a guess there on on that one so sorry to cop out on that <laughs> We'll, we'll be back with the Athletic Freaks next week. Um, yeah, and really quick to put, uh, Jamari Thrash um, finished third overall in, in Rops and Rubber last year. Ooh. And then fell down quite a bit uh, this year. That is not the right spreadsheet. He's lower. He's lower. He had a drop-off. I haven't looked into why the drop-off happened. But like guys who finish in the top five once tend to do very well, even if they do drop off later, uh, aside from, uh, from Wicks. The other guy who did the exact same thing was actually Puka. Uh, Puka Nakua was yeah. second that year and then fell off kind of the year after and, you know, obviously it turned out to be quite good. So. Yeah, I would say if you're, if you're really looking at um, trying to dial in on who's going to be the Packers' you know, top pick, a couple things to always keep in mind, and I wrote about this earlier this, uh, or late last week. Um, look at guys at premier positions so we kind of all know what those tend to be they they've only drafted outside of you know quarterback tackle secondary um and edge like once in the good against era and that was quay um look at big big school guys which that's more of just a general trend that's not necessarily the packers specifically but um generally you know the the vast majority 95 to 97 percent of of first round picks are uh from power four power five schools um look at age so the packers haven't drafted a guy who is older than 22 on draft day except for Devonte wyatt 
um, since like I think Wyatt's the only one since 2007 who was older than 22 on wow. draft day. Uh, I'm sorry, maybe that was old. Maybe that was older than 23, but there's only one or two that went, were even 23 on draft day too. So look, look for correlates best to NFL success age above almost any other combine drill. Yeah, yeah. So so look for the guys who are 22 and younger on on draft day for round one, and then obviously Raz. Um, just overall athleticism. Look for guys. You know, you can cut it off at eight. Anybody below eight is not going to be a Packers first round pick. I think that's pretty safe. And um, there's a extraordinarily high likelihood that you know they're going to be nine nine and a half or above yep. all true all right before yep. we get out of here anything you want to plug yeah just um keep listening to the apc feed this week i'll be um in with some daily updates again coming uh coming through the next couple of days as we talk to different prospects um also, uh, check us out i'm going to be posting clips and um, comments and things from various players on both Twitter and uh, our Instagram. So you can get the Acme Packing Co. Instagram and Twitter, or you can get me at Tex Western on both of those. We'll be kind of bouncing around to the different, you know, both of those accounts depending on, you know, who I'm. I'll focus on a little bit of uh, Wisconsin players a little bit since I'm a, a UW alum for on my personal account and then look really at, uh, you know, guys with more Packers import on, on the main accounts. So keep it there. Um, we'll have some write-ups and live threads on the site throughout the week. And, um, yeah, it should be, uh, should be a fun week. And um, look forward to you know, getting to know some of these guys in the next couple days. Nice. It should be fun. Um, I, will, I will have a piece to you on how big of an outlier Jordan Love is, completion percentage-wise, <laughs> and why you should be careful with Drake May as a result. And, uh, you know, probably a couple other pieces because I love combine time. So um, everybody keep an eye out for that. But that'll do it for us. We'll be back. Uh, the, uh, the whole feed will be back as the week goes on. And we'll probably do a show next week, too, here. So uh, keep an eye out for that. But until then, enjoy the combine. It is a good old time. Oh, to defend it. If it's not now.